Welcome to Momentum Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to get into a new series as we head into this new year. And I'll just let the cat out of the bag. The series is on the book of Revelation, all right? And so everybody's like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. There's enough going on right now, and I, and I get that, and, and, and you know, it's, it's one of those things to where um, I love to start the year off with a series that really gets us to think about who we are in the Lord and just sets our year up, and last year, if you remember right, we, we did the seven IMs of Jesus over those first seven, eight weeks of the, of the new year, and that really taught us, out of the book of John, who Jesus is. And along those lines, we, we wanted to live as disciples. We still do, but definitely in 2020 as disciples growing in the knowledge of who he is. Now, going into this year, I'm going to be taking us over the next seven to eight weeks, eight weeks really, today's the first, and then seven more weeks, we're going to be looking at the seven churches of the book of Revelation so that we can, in light of who Jesus is, we know who he is, Amen. So in light of knowing who he is, now I want to know how I'm supposed to live. And, and here's the truth of the matter. Do you guys realize we're living in a world right now that's a little crazy? Can we just be real honest about it? Like certifiable? Come on, somebody. And, and, and with that, there is impending danger. There's impending trials, tribulations, struggles, and all those, so, those things. And, and I know it's a cute little play on that game, the floor is lava, but in that game, you're looking for a safe place. I don't know about y'all, I'm looking for a safe place. I'm, lo I'm looking for a stable place. I'm looking for something I can put my feet on. And here's what I love about it. I'm not saying to apart and pull myself away from the stuff. I'm just saying in the midst of it, find a sure-footed place. And that's what the book of Revelations does for us. God, in the middle of all of that, he teaches us how to experience his blessing in the midst of increasingly heated times. And so the first few chapters in the book of Revelation, it's setting us up for this end-time apocalyptic prophecy. But before we get there, the, the revelator teaches and shows us that we're supposed to live a certain way so that when this comes, and, and, and it comes in part, all right? It has already happened, it's happening, it's going to happen. Why? Because this world will always have trials and tribulations. And when they come, where do we find our feet? How do we find that blessing? And it's not just for us, amen? I, I get so tired of the Christian church and us thinking that the blessing's about us. It's not. It's about others. Amen? Amen? It's about what happens in and through us. And I just believe King Jesus wants us in the middle of trials, tribulations, and situations to have his glory at work in us in such a way that he is seen. Amen? And I'm looking at you guys like a cow looking at a new gate. Y'all are nervous. I can just tell. I can just tell you like you're just nervous. Like, like where are we going with this? All right? I, I understand. I get it. I get it. And so this year, we are jumping into who we are in the light of who he is. That's really what we're going to be digging in. And, and it's funny because for probably three, maybe four years, teaching on the seven churches has been in my, my little teaching outline that I'm going to do. And every year, I put it forward. No, nah, it's just not the right season. Just not the right time. Just not the right season. I think it fits our season and our church right now. Like never before. 
just things that we're going through. And so it's the end of the world as we know it, as some famous um, Georgians told us, right? <laughs> and that idea of just trials and tribulations, we're not just talking about end time things. There are things that we go through, you know, that we face. I don't know about you, sometimes the things you face, you just feel like, why even try? Like, why even try to walk out right? Why even try to live moral? Or why even try to, to, to press into the things we know we're supposed to press into? Why even try when things are falling the way they're falling? Why even try? Man, and the revelation that teaches in the midst of all those trials, tribulations, all the things we face, it's all about Jesus being revealed. Amen? And I believe he's revealed through his church. I really do in a lot of ways. And so the book of Revelation reveals that in the midst of tribulation and trials, our God has a way that brings blessing. The floor is lava. Everybody pick your feet up for a second, right? All right? The, 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 the ground, the things around us can be uncertain and shaky, and we look for that solid, that stable place. As I said, Revelations, in part, it, it has always been known as a generation of apocalyptic literature. And you say the word apocalypse, and in some ways you may feel like you're in it right now. You know, some crazy things happening in the world. But you think of the word apocalypse, you think of like impending doom in the end times. And, you know, apocalypse, you think of Chuck Norris. That's for us older guys. <laughs> apocalypse now. You think of things, you know, like, like coming destruction. But really the word is rooted in the Greek word. The apocalypse is a Greek word. And it's just rooted, it just means the unveiling. That's all it means. A revelation or an unveiling or unfolding of things not previously known and which could not be known apart from being unveiled by one who has revealed these things to the one that is writing these things down. And so when you first look at the book of Revelation, the first chapter just kind of sets the tone of where the revelation came from, who it came to, and kind of why. And then the next two and three, the next two chapters, second and third revelations, those are the ones that we're really going to look into these seven to eight weeks. They take really the church, and it was actually seven churches that were going on at that time, and it has a message to those actual seven churches then it jumps in and from chapter 4 to 22 it goes all all end time stuff okay now the churches different people look at those churches in different ways there's various views and some of the ways are that they spoke to only those churches that were in existence at that time of the writing some look at those churches as seven ages of the church that now we find ourselves at the church of Laodicea, which we'll teach on in seven weeks from now. And so we get to that last church, and that's part of an age of the churches. Okay? And I'm not against that. I can see that, how those different ages of the church are represented. But where I'm heading, because it's too easy. It's too easy to look back and say, well, they missed it or they didn't miss it. Okay? That's not where I'm heading. I believe God has something for every one of us individually in those seven churches so that we can look at ourselves and say, are we missing it or are we making it? You know, are we walking in step with what he wants for us or are we missing in step what he wants for us? So we're not going to look back as much as we're going to look in and forward in our own lives because tribulation is happening right now. Not the tribulation. But you're going through stuff right now. So as we go through those things right now, how then do we now, now live? Amen? 
But there are a lot of rich theological themes that find their expression in Revelation. So just to kind of give you a little bit of a heads up, you know, you have that current age, that chapter 1 talking about John's time, the one writing, he's experiencing this in real time. Then you have Revelation's primary theological contribution is the eschatological doctrine that it unfolds. That's the study. Eschatology is the study of end times. And to your chagrin, I'm probably not going to get into that a whole lot during the next seven weeks. All right? I know some of you are like, please. Some of you are like, no. I do think maybe later in the, in the year, we'll look at those things. What, what things are you talking about? Well, things like the final political setup of the world. The things like the last battle of human history, the battle of Armageddon, the one that is the war to end all wars. Things like the career and the ultimate defeat of the one that is called the Antichrist. I don't think it'll be like, hey, welcome to the stage, the Antichrist. It won't be like that, but he is the Antichrist. Somebody that will rise into power, and so that's unfolded in this revelation. The idea that Jesus will come and will reign on this earth, right here, for a thousand years. A millennial reign of Christ with us reigning with him. How awesome. You want to know more about that? I know. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be awesome. And then the glories of heaven and, 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 and our eternal state, also the final state of the wicked and those that are unrighteous. I mean, all those things are laid out in the book of, of Revelation. But moreover, listen to me, here is the theme. Moreover, this book declares that God providentially rules over the kingdoms of men and will accomplish his sovereign purpose regardless of human or demonic opposition. You ought to shout now, okay? Why, why should you be excited about that? Because I'm not saying as Christians we put our head in the sand and we don't worry about current affairs. We do, and we engage, and we get involved, and, and we're a part of all that, okay? I get that. But as Christians, no matter how high the water gets, no matter how hot the hell that we go through goes through, no matter what it looks like as Christians, guess what? He's still sovereign, and this book will still come to pass. They're, they're, it just should give you a sense of peace. This book shouldn't give you, Revelation shouldn't give you torment. It should give you peace. Because you know what? You're right. We'll go through some hell. Well, will we, go, will we get rapture before all this? I'm not worried about that right now. My dad would always say, I'm a pan-tribber. It'll, it'll pan out, you know? Pre, post, mid-trib. I'm kind of a pre-tribber because I'm a chicken. You know? Jesus, come take me out of here before it gets too bad. But all I know is no matter what you're going through, personal tribulations, struggles, and trials, guess what? Man, Jesus can be revealed in you. His glory can be revealed in you, and you'll get through it. That's what Revelations really is. Wow, there's a whole lot of crazy stuff that happens. I know. But at the end, we're with him. At the end, there's peace. At the end, it's as it was supposed to be. At the end... And I think that, moreover, God doesn't want us just to wait to the end. I believe, just like the floor is lava, there are places in him that we can find a sure footing. There are places in him that we can walk and find a place of safety, a place of protection, a place that we can put our hands and our feet in. Amen? And so in the midst of tribulation and trials, we are taught that God has a way that brings blessing, a blessing in the midst of impending danger. And you may say, Pastor, where do you get that? Let's stand to our feet, guys. I want us to stand as, honor, as we honor the word. And I want to look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. 
It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. This is a salutation to these these churches he's writing to. It says, blessed, everybody say blessed. Blessed. There's not too many scriptures where you're going to see this. We're just you hearing this today. I'm going to read the whole first chapter before we finish today. We're going to read the whole second chapter. We're going to do the whole third chapter. We're going to read all through this. There's not too many passages where you see this. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. That's how important this prophecy is. And you're blessed just for reading aloud, but not enough just to read aloud. Watch this. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. All right? The time is near. Father, in the name of Jesus, like never before, we have sensed the time is near. Lord God, things that are going on in our world, we just want to have our hearts leaning towards you. We don't do that out of fear. We do it out of faith. Lord, we don't do it out of fear of what's coming. We do it out of fellowship with you, King of kings, Lord of lords, our great revelator, the one that has shown himself forth to be good. And Lord God, we thank you for this word over us that brings blessing in the midst of tribulation. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have your seat. So who wrote this book, the book of of Revelation? It was actually John who wrote the book. Not John the Baptist, all right, but John the son of Zebedee. Remember James and John, the sons of Zebedee? Um, um, Scripture called them the sons of thunder. They were a little bit fierce, a little bit of knuckleheads too, but they were a little bit fierce, you know. And man, here's the thing about John. He loved Jesus. I mean, I know the other disciples loved Jesus. John really, John really loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. And, and, and John was even called the Beloved. That, that was kind of his, his nickname, the Beloved. He, every, all the other disciples knew. Teacher's pet. I mean, they just did, you know. Like Peter's like that. Like, I love Peter. Peter's great. You know, Peter's got my back, you know, except for when he doesn't. <laughs> but then he got my back again, you know. But, but John, man, he just, he just wants to be close to me. I could see John being the guy that everywhere you go, he's just want, he just He's just, you know, I got your seat for you, Jesus. Already, you know, everything's set up just because, not so much for Jesus because he wanted to be sitting beside Jesus. He just, he just had that kind of relationship. Can I just say it this way? Jesus was his friend. I don't know about you guys. That sounds so, so precious to me right now. In light of all the stuff going on, in light of things that are coming against Christianity, if you will, and, and most of that stuff is fake anyhow. It's fake, and the reason why I say it's fake is because people have taken our faith and have linked it to a political party, and in doing so, it's robbed what we really are, okay? I'm not going to go into all that today, and I know I just made some of you all's heinies tight. I get it. Okay? But when it comes down to our faith, Jesus is our friend. Amen? He's also our king. I'm going to get to that. He's powerful, but he's our friend. I don't say that like some, like, weak, you know, I say that with a fear. He's my friend. He's the guy you want in the foxhole, you know? Closer brother, that guy that's a confidant. That's who Jesus was, and John got that. That's why he was the beloved. And John so got it that he ministered so effectively, so fervently, that when it came down to persecution against him personally, he was boiled in oil for it. Can you imagine that? 
I love you, Gary. I do. You're my friend. I'm not being boiled in oil for you. Maybe for Renee. But that would be a chivalrous thing. But with you, chivalry aside, I'm not getting boiled in oil for you. Yeah, no, man. But he was boiled in oil for his faith. I don't even like to say it that way. He was boiled in oil for his friend because of Jesus. He didn't back down. And he was one of the closest people on the earth to Jesus when Jesus was with him in 30 A.D. to 33 A.D. As his best friend, he was an eyewitness to Jesus' life and to his teachings and those experiences. I mean, he was like right here when Jesus was putting mud in somebody's eye. Check out what my friend can do. And he was there for his death, but he was also there for his resurrection. When he revealed himself to, to his disciples, he got to see Thomas put his hand in his side. He got to see Thomas touch his, he got to see all that stuff. Man, that's so good. And so Revelation is written by him, and, it, and because it's written by him about his friend, it's all about King Jesus. And it's all about King Jesus' church because Jesus loves his church. So you guys realize that, right? A lot of times people are really putting the church down. I get it. All the church is is a gathering of his believers. It's a gathering of his, his family. That's what the church is. And, but we institutionalize the church. We organizationalize. Is that even a word? The church. Okay? And then it's something that we can create this thing that can be attacked. Does that make sense? Same way that we do with politics. We create this thing that gets all mixed up with stuff and people's platforms and people's agendas. That, that, that all here it is and now we can attack it. And I hate it because generations after generations are starting to attack this, this beautiful, that Jesus loved. And they absolutely are right for attacking it because it's a bastardization of who he loves. His people. Church, the word ecclesia just means a called out group, people behind a common purpose. And that's Jesus. And so with that, he loves his church, Jesus. Guess what? That means he wants us to love his church. That means he wants us to love each other. That means he wants us to, to realize that we're in life alone in some ways, but man, we're in life together in so many more, in so many more ways. And so he writes this because he loves Jesus and because he loves the church and Jesus loves the church. John, as I said before, the same man that wrote the first, no, I don't think I did tell you that. That was in the first service. John's the man that wrote the book of John, obviously. He's the man that wrote the seven I of Jesus that we studied last year. So we started off last year with Jesus, learning more about Jesus because John wrote the seven I Now we're going to look at how John is writing this revelation of the seven churches. I don't think it's an accident. There's such similarities. And I love how in the seven I we learn who Jesus is. And then in the seven churches, we learn who we are supposed to be in light of who Jesus, in light of who Jesus is. Friends shape you, don't they? Friends shape you. you know, and I'm bad for that. I don't mean to be bad for that. I think they call it appropriation. I'm just bad for that, you know. How many, how many you, can, you can appropriate? You don't mean to, okay. If I get around my friends that I'm hunting with, it's easy for me to get real drawn out. If it's brown, it's down. Can you tell today's the last day of hunting season? Sorry for you vegetarians, but it is. <laughs> but, but, you know, and then, and then if I'm around others, it just shifts. I don't mean for If I go around my Kentucky family, I sound like that. If I, get, I don't mean to. How many have struggled with that? Anybody? Yeah. yeah. It's because we're weak. No, I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's, it comes from a genuine place. I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> but, 
But he's trying to teach us how to be like Jesus. These seven churches reveal how we're supposed to be living in light of this world, facing impending trials and tribulations. It's almost like John's like, or Jesus is like showing this revelation to John. Get these guys ready, because it's going to get bad. And let's be sure they're where they need to be. Let's get them on some, some safe, stable ground, because the lava's coming. That's kind of what's happening with the book of, of Revelation, the first three chapters. And there are some striking parallels between Revelation and John's other writings. In John, you will see John, in the Gospel of John, reveal Jesus as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. He reveals Jesus as the Word. Guess what? In Revelations, there's no other Gospel that reveals Jesus as the Word. And then in Revelation, he reveals Jesus as the Word as well. Also, he reveals Jesus as the Lamb. In, in John, and he reveals Jesus as the lamb in Revelation. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, you can see Jesus symbolized as a lamb. You can see all that coming up, that, that, that foreshadowing of Jesus. But John, he reveals in both Jesus as the lamb. Revelation, another thing about it, it was written in the last decade of the first century. Okay? So around 94 to 96 A.D., during the end of Emperor Domitian's reign. Emperor Domitian was a piece of work. Talk about like the political climate of that day and the trials and tribulations and the struggles that was going on and the true persecution. Christians, you aren't facing anything right now. Well, I didn't get my politician voted in. Wah! That ain't persecution yet. Our brothers and sisters in China know persecution, people. Our brothers and sisters in Cuba know persecution, people. Now, I know you'll say we're headed there, and we are. And guess what? We just might need it. To rise up and be the glorious church that Jesus needs in our country, we just might need it. Persecution is something that, guess what it does? It's the muscle of the church. It builds our muscle. It builds our strength. And we've been weak for so long, the sovereign God will have his way. And I pray that as we come out of it, there'll be a stronger church for it. Amen? Smile. I'm, I'm believing for a stronger church because of all this. So, trials and tribulations. Domitian was doing all this horrible stuff. And now, here's the thing that's wild about this. They boiled John. That's not enough. Before they boiled John, um, they, they, John's old at this time. He ends up being like 100 years old about. And they are literally taking him from church to church to speak. About who? His friend. About Jesus. He's the last of the apostles alive. And they would take him from church to church. They, the historians say they would carry him. Yeah, I don't want to be preaching when I'm sold. You have to carry me. I'm just being honest. Like, just take me home, Jesus. But, but John, they were carrying him, and they would place him, and he would declare, declare the word of the Lord. He would, he would teach about his friend Jesus. And I love this. I love that the same Jesus he was serving in 30 and 33 A.D., he is serving in 94, 96 A.D. I want to still be serving him 60 years. I'll be dead 60 years from now. I want some of you still to be serving him 60 years from now. You know? With just as much fire. They said the fire on the inside of John burned so hot that the fire that was placed upon him, that burning oil, could not take his life. I want that kind of fire to last six, seven, eight decades like it did in his life. Isn't that neat to think about it? This is who's getting this revelation. This is a man that is facing so much stuff. 
But he just wants to hear from Jesus. He just wants to be pleasing to Jesus. He just wants to be sure he gives this to the church and the word to the church so the church can be more like, everybody see, like Jesus. So now we find revelations in the beginning of it. John is the last surviving apostle. They have taken him because they can't boil him, and they have put him on a small barren island called Patmos, located in the Aegean Sea, just a little south of the city, the port city of Ephesus. And so the Aegean Sea is just in the northern part of the Mediterranean. And so they put him out there into that little area. That, it's a rock. If you ever look at it, it's just a big stony island. And some, they even now have, like, there's there, there's a little cave that turned into a little place. This is where John was, you know. And so he's there on this dry rock. I don't know how bad he was burned. I, I, have you ever met people burned so bad, like their hands don't open well? You know what I mean? I remember a woman in our church in Ohio, she had been burned by a propane tank. It exploded on her and messed her all up. And her skin, like, her sweat glands didn't even work. I mean, there were so many things and complications for years. She, I don't know. It could have been like that with John. I don't, I don't know what was going on in his body. But I'm picturing a man that has faced so much, but he just stills in love with his friend. Stills in love with Jesus. And they banish him to this island. He's arrested. He's placed on the island. And the churches he had been ministering to for years, the churches there in Turkey or Asia Minor, you know, um, um, the churches that we're going to look at, these churches, these seven churches, he just, I still got a word for him. Still got a word. Like our, our, our pastor in Ohio, we had this preacher in Ohio, Reverend El, um, um, Alfred Tedeschi. He was like 89 years old, a little Italian, and somebody's a God Pentecostal preacher. And, um, and he would, he, we taught him how to make the tapes, to duplicate tapes. So he'd preach into a microphone, into a little cassette, and then he'd make his own tapes. He was like a modern-day John. And he would take the revelation of Alfred, and he would go all through the church. I got a word from you. You need to listen to this. And he'd hand you that tape. And then when you would go, well, thank you, brother. And then he would go, that's $2. It was brilliant marketing, brilliant. How do you tell an 89-year-old no? You know, I love, I got to bury that man. And I'm not sure why I told you that. Just a sweet, sweet old guy, still serving the Lord. But, but, um, but he was still getting the word out in his own way. He was going to never stop getting the word out. <laughs> so, all right, I say that to say that's how John he's getting the word out. He's getting to these churches however he possibly can. And so, as we look at the scripture, I want to jump into the greetings to these seven churches. And it says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who were before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. I know there's some symbolic language there. The idea of the seven spirits. Seven is the number of perfection. But God coming from the place of his perfection. Speaking life here in this moment. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. That's who, he's always the witness because that's who we see. Remember, we can see, we got a picture of Jesus in our minds. He's the witness. We can see him, right? The firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on the earth. Or the kings of kings. He is the king of kings. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God in faith, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I need to stop there. He has made us a kingdom, priest to God in faith. He's made us a kingdom. Listen, we are a part of a kingdom within a kingdom. We're a part of a kingdom within a nation. We're a part of a kingdom within a world. When you're a Christian, you're a part of a kingdom. And I love this, not just a kingdom, but a kingdom of priests. So what that means is we're not just a part of a kingdom. We are a part of something active because you can't be a priest of God and be passive. Okay? 
We're not called to be a part of a kingdom and have passivity. We're called to be a part of a kingdom and then get dead in the middle of this stuff. There's lava there. There's God here. And I'm helping people get to him. I, I'm, I'm a part of the priesthood here, you know. And I really do believe this. As the tribulation gets tougher, guys, as things get more difficult, and this is the reason why I'm so fired up and saying that maybe our country needs to go through some stuff. As things get more difficult, guess what? I believe there will be a separation that will take place, and it will be hard to just be a passive believer. You'll be a priest or you'll be nothing. When I say a priest, I'm not talking about a preacher. I'm saying somebody who looks in their life when they wake up in the morning, I am an agent of the kingdom of God. I am a part of the kingdom, and I want to know what my friend says today. I want to hear his voice. I want to respond to him in kind. I recognize I'm not just going to go and be passive. Does that make sense? I love that. So he, he's giving this greeting to these seven churches. He's inviting them. You're kingdom people. You're priest to God and to the Father. And so that's what this is coming. It's coming to these churches, and revelation, it's bringing hope to them. It's a message of hope. And here's what the message of hope is, that God is in sovereign control of all the events of human history. And though evil often seems pervasive and wicked, men, they're all powerful, their ultimate doom is certain. Amen? Christ will come in glory to judge and to rule. That's what we see. And that's a message of hope. That's a message that, that no matter what's going on, God will set it right. So what do we do in the midst of it? Do we just go into our holes? No. We go and look like Jesus. We go and we say, okay, God, these seven churches, what are you telling us? How are you calling us to live so that your glory can be revealed? Who you are can be revealed on the earth. Not anything else I tie myself into, but you, Jesus, can be revealed in the earth foremostly. I'm not saying you're not part of groups. Every one of us are part of things and positions and platforms. And I'm not against positions and platforms. I'm, I'm just saying let's not let Jesus and who he is and our priesthood be lost because of anything else. Amen? That's the hope that we have as we align ourselves. And I love this because for John, he believed that hope in 30 A.D. He believed it for those three years watching Jesus dispense healing powerful stuff, mighty miracles, signs, wonders. He believed it. And then guess what? He believed it 60 years later when they put oil on him and about burned him to death. And he believed it when they threw him on an aisle that was of Patmos, that, that rocky aisle. He still was believing it. Isn't that awesome? Didn't matter what he faced. He could not stop believing in his friend Jesus. He couldn't stop representing his friend, his friend Jesus. Verse 7, behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. I'm the Almighty. Now watch this, verse 9. I, John, your brother, and partner in tribulation and the kingdom and the, the patient endurance that are in Christ Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I think this tells us right here just really quick. It really does. He, he, he said, I'm a partner in tribulation. We're going to go through stuff. That doesn't mean that you're not a part of the kingdom. I'm a partner in tribulation and in the kingdom. And how do I manage those two? By patient endurance. 
So I'm both a partner in this world where we're going to have trials, but I represent as a priest another kingdom. So I'm always looking, what would my friend Jesus want me to do? What would he have me to say? How do I draw people closer to my friend Jesus? What do I do in this to get them so they're not experiencing the tribulation, the lava, all that stuff? How do I do this? And while I'm doing that, it's really hard to do that. Amen? I was up till 5 in the morning on, between Wednesday and Thursday. My, my brain was just, it's just, my heart was heavy for our world. For, I, my heart was heavy for Democrats. My heart was heavy for Republicans. My heart was, was, was heavy for the, the people that, like I said, that bastardized both parties. And my heart's heavy for, just, it's just heavy. Just heavy. And so in the middle of tribulation and kingdom, Lord, just help me with patient endurance. Isn't that neat how he says? I'm a partner with you in tribulation, in the kingdom, and with patient endurance. That's what we need. That's what we need to be able to, for people to see Jesus. That's what we need goes on, I was in the Spirit. This is the best part. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. It's that Sunday for him. And he's in the Spirit. He's praying. He's seeking God. And as he's seeking God, Jesus shows up. I love it. His friend in the middle of this shows up. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and to Laodicea. And then I turned. I know that voice. That's who my friend was when we were young. I know that voice. That's, that's who said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. I know that voice. I, 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 I've walked my whole life serving this man. And here in this darkest point, if you will, on this island, old drawn up from being burned, whatever it looked like. He said that he heard that voice. I turned, I heard it, and he, it was him, and he was speaking to me. And as I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars from his mouth, came sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. And I, and I love the imagery of that. You know, we just, Like I said a few weeks ago, we just came out of that, that season of, of Hanukkah. And, and you look at a, a Hanukkah, which has eight candlesticks and one in the middle that's a little bit higher, and that one in the middle is called the Shemash, and, and it means the servant. Jesus is a servant to men. He laid down his life. Nobody loves, him, loves us like a man that would lay down his life for us. And Jesus laid down his life so that the light that he has, you use the Shemash to light the lights. And the light that he is, the light who he is, shines upon the lampstands. The seven lampstands are the church. It'll say that here in a second. I'll just fast forward for you. And here's what's neat. The old ancient menorahs, when you look at them in history... It has the, 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 it's not like the Konakia. You know, it has one less. But here's what we see. We see Jesus standing in the middle of the seven lampstands, making up a picture of that old ancient menorah. Isn't that cool? Love that. He's always been the light that sets to blaze the others. And so Jesus, he comes to serve. He comes to be that light. Watch what it says in verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. 
I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Hades is the word for grave. Write, therefore, the things that you've seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And so guess what? Y'all, you're a lampstand. Amen? In this world, you're a lampstand that stands and shines brightly because you've been lit a fire by the shemesh, the shemash, by the, 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 the servant candle, by Jesus. You've been lit a fire, and you shine brightly. Now, he said there were seven stars in his right hand. Guess who are the stars? I am. <laughs> You'll never hear me be real prideful, but I get to be a star. All that means is, is theologians have said the stars or the angels of the church are, are usually it's speaking to the pastors of each church, you know. And so I'm responsible to be able to be sure that the lampstand is burning. Amen? I'm responsible to be sure that we're all looking to the middle, to the light, to the one that is Jesus, and being sure that we're all representing that light. And the next two chapters, as it goes and speaks to the angels of the churches, it's a challenge for them to challenge those churches to live how Jesus would have them to live and walk and so on. Amen? So Revelation is about the end times being revealed to us. Yes, it is. Partly, all right, partly, but it's more about Jesus being revealed to us. Do you know that? It's the revelation of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus. Yeah, and so revelation. I want to walk through about 18 quick things. You're gonna go, really? You'll see, it'll go fast. It's not even an hour yet. Revelation is not an hour for me preaching, I mean, an hour for the whole service. So, revelation is first and foremost a revelation about Jesus Christ. That's Revelations 1, verse 1. The book depicts him as the risen, glorified Son of God, ministering among the churches. 1, verse 10. As the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. That's who he is. Revelations 1, verse 5. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Revelations 1, verse 8. As the one who is and who was and who is to come, he's the Almighty One. Revelations 1, verse 8. As the first and the last... Verse 11, the Son of Man, verse 13, the one who is dead now is alive forevermore. Verse 18, as the Son of God, also verse, no, it's chapter 2, verse 18, as the one who is holy and true, verse 7, chapter 3, as the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, Revelations 3, verse 14, as the lion of the tribe of Judah, 5, verse 5. He's powerful. He's mighty. Amen? But I love it. Our friend is also very tender. He's also the lamb in heaven. Amen? He's also the lamb. And so he's the lamb in heaven, but he's also the lamb with authority. And that we see in Revelation 6, verse 1. He's a lamb that sits on the throne. So he's a lamb. Yes, he's mild and kind, but he's powerful and strong. And he sits on the throne. That's 7, verse 17. As the Messiah, he will reign forever, chapter 11, verse 15. As the word of God in both the first chapter and in chapter 19, verse 13. As the majestic king of kings and lord of lords, he is revealed, returning in glorious splendor to conquer his foes. Revelations 19, verse 11. And as the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star, Revelation 22, verse 16. 
the root of David, the kingdom of David that will have no end. Jesus is that king. Amen? Give God some praise. Amen? But you know what's more important than maybe all those things? Jesus was one of the closest people on earth to John. That's it. He was his friend. Can you imagine that? You read this big book of Revelation. It's so scary. So much. Whoa. Jesus revealed in glory and fierce and just, whoa. But just like John, he is your friend. I love it. I mean, like, no matter how much lava, no matter how much crazy tribulation trials, this week, it was heavy, man. I mean, I had some times where I was able to lean into my friend and find that peace with him. Still feeling trouble, still feeling that there's some, a lot of stuff that has got to be done in the kingdom and in the world. But feeling a sense of peace for my friend. And so John, as I said, one of the closest people to Jesus, his best friend, his eyewitness to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, even being boiled alive. Now he's on the Isle of Patmos, and Jesus comes and begins to speak to him. And John, all through those 60 years, he never stopped talking about his friend Jesus. For John, it was always about Jesus. It makes sense that Revelation would be all about King Jesus but it's also about King Jesus' church. Do you know why? Jesus loves his church. He loves his church. We, as momentum, we fail him at times. Any organization, institution fails him. He loves his church. I don't want us to miss how simple that is. And if he loves us and we're supposed to love him, I love Amy. I, I want to walk pleasing with her. I want to hear her heart and respond accordingly. Guess what? Sometimes I do that really good. Sometimes I don't. You know, she doesn't kick me aside. Jesus is like that too. I want to hear his heart. I want to respond. Sometimes I'll miss it. Some, sometimes, can I be honest? Sometimes in my political views, I miss it. So, sometimes in my social views, I miss it. Sometimes in my financial views, I miss it. He's my friend. He loves me. And I want to learn even more to respond to him as he leads. Amen? I want you to open up your communion or just get to communion now as we're getting ready to go to that. We are going to find those stable places in the midst of the lava, in the midst of those trials and tensions that we all experience then we need to look to these two chapters, chapter 2 and 3. I'd love for you this week to just read those, just kind of become familiar with what Jesus is saying to the churches. See, the goal is not that you would just know Jesus, but that you would love Jesus, that you would enjoy Jesus, that, that you would also, though, love what Jesus loves and do what Jesus does, that you would live and give like Jesus gave and Finally, Revelations will teach us that we will go to where Jesus is. That, that's just lining our hearts up with our friend and walking in step with him. As I close, Revelation teaches that he is the ruler of the king of kings, and that's huge. He is king of kings, lord of lords. That means that everybody and everything will give account. Guess what? Your boss that drives you crazy will have to give account to Jesus. All the bosses in the house, I know we got a bunch of you, 
You're going to give account to Jesus. Be good to those employees. We all are going to give account. Your moms, dads, your parents are going to give account to Jesus. He's the king. All the crazy stuff that happened in our world this week, guess what? Every one of those people are going to give account to Jesus. But can I tell you something? That could be fearful, but that also could be precious. You know why? If you're a believer and you lean into him with repentance, he's your, your friend. If something doesn't line up with how your friend wants you to act, change that, amen? But just know that. He is the king. He has authority over, over us. We're not that ultimate authority. And Revelation really just is teaching us that, that regardless of, 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 of kingdoms of men, Jesus is going to accomplish his purpose. And I want to lean into that friend and accomplish it with him. I want to walk with him through that. Amen? And so we're going to start this year off with a few things that just line our hearts up with him. One is, is our fast. Starting tomorrow until the 31st at 5 p.m., we'll be doing a fast. A fast is something you choose food to be taken away. As you take the body and you say, you know what, body? You're not as important as spiritual things right now. For some of you, that may be one meal a day. For some of you, that might be an item of food. For some of you, you may say, I'm only eating something, and that's what you eat. Whatever it is, but something pertaining to food for the next 20, 21 days. And then we'll gather at 5 that evening on the 31st for some fun and fellowship. We're going to break fast with breakfast. It's a great way to break fast. Amen? Hallelujah. Between now and then, stay real up on our Momentum Together page. If you're not a part of that invite, that, that, that page that's our in-house Facebook page, go and look for Momentum Together. Become a part of that um, because we'll be dropping things for prayer focuses and just different things all this month on there from different staff members and such, okay? So we want to be able to be in the spirit together doing that. Um, next Sunday is baptism. If you're a Christ follower and you've never been baptized, maybe a great thing to do that. Just like John, man, literally, he loved Jesus, his friend, so much, he was willing to be boiled in oil for him in a sense. Not willing, but he didn't deny his faith. And as a Christ follower, we're all supposed to be baptized in water. It's not oil. So if you haven't been baptized yet, take that next step of obedience next week. You can go to mymomentumchurch.tv, and it'll give you a place to sign up for baptism, and it'll give you all the, the, the purposes of baptism and everything you need to know. All right? So next Sunday's baptism. On the 27th, on Wednesday night, we're going to gather in here for prayer. The last Wednesday before the fast is over, and we're just going to have a night of prayer. Very special focus that I'm going to announce next week that has just been something popping up in everybody's hearts. I keep hearing it. We're going to have a very special focus on that Wednesday night. I'll let you know next Sunday what that is. And then finally, we want to launch today as we go into the season with communion. So if you would, open up the bread and put it in your hand. And also open up the tinfoil so that you have your access to your juice. And family at home, whatever you can grab a hold of. I know you were instructed earlier in the week, but if, if you haven't, got something, it doesn't matter. Just grab something that you can eat and drink in symbolism of Jesus. We want to we do this with you as one big church family here in the building and around, around the, the, the community. And so what I want to do is I'm going to pray for the bread and the wine together, and then we'll just partake of the bread and the wine, and, and, and we'll be dismissed. And so if you would, let's do this. Let's hold this up high. Amen. 
Jesus, I hold this up in symbolism as it's, it's high. It's high and lifted up. And we want your glory to fill this house. Lord, I raise it high because the Bible says that if you'll be lifted up, you will draw all men to you. You were lifted up on the cross. And you've done just that. 2,000 years later, you've drawn us to you. I have no greater friend than you, Jesus. Thank you for drawing me to you, Jesus. Lord, I lift this up because it's an authority. You, Jesus, are over me. You're an authority over my life, and so I raise this high above myself, and I ask in 2021 that you would rule King of kings and Lord of lords over my life. I thank you for that, Jesus. Lord, in a moment, I'll partake of this because not only are you my king, you're my friend. And I love to partake of fellowship with my friends. And so, Jesus, I partake of this in honor of you as my friend and my savior. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.